Welcome to the Body Electric Podcast, episode 10 for August 20th. Today's guest is the great Red Schwagger, and I feel very safe saying that he is one of the greatest guitarists our country has ever produced, and probably one of the most influential. I studied with Reg a few times in my early 20s, and I'm still working on the things he showed me, and he blew my mind again last week when we got together, so uh, I hope you enjoy this chat. Um, if you'd like to contact me, you can visit www.nathanhiltz.com, or get me on Twitter, uh, that's at Nate Hiltz, N-A-T-E-H-I-L-T-Z. Thanks for listening to the Body Electric Podcast. Let's do it. Hi. Hey, Nathan. How's it going? Good, Reg. How are you? Pretty good. Good. Thanks for hanging today. Yeah, thanks. For, yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah. I've listened to some of those other uh, podcasts, Maharaj. I don't think I can talk like him. Let's <laughs> see what happens. <laughs> all right, all right. He can talk. He wins the prize he wins for the, prize. the uh, longest Body Electric podcast, yeah, for sure. Yeah, very articulate. I enjoyed it. And I like uh, your practice shed. You literally have a practice shed. Exactly, yeah. That's so cool. How long have you had this place? Well, a couple of years, maybe. Yeah? yeah? Cool. So this is kind of your fortress of solitude? <laughs> it's supposed to be. I can still hear the birds twittering if I'm practicing, though. So. Right, right. Uh, any sort of influence on your plane, the birds? <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. I hope so. Yeah. Cool. And um, how's your summer been playing-wise? What you been up to? Pretty good. I've been playing here and there. I'm trying to think what. Played with Diana Panton last night in Markham. That was fun. Okay. And just nothing too much of anything. I, I went on a holiday to Barcelona with my family. That was fun. Oh, beautiful. Went to the soccer stadium, walked around, took pictures, and ate. Kind of like what you do mm -hmm. on vacation. Right. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And um, so you've done a few records with Diana Panton, right? Yeah, quite a few. She's we've been playing since 2005, so I don't know if it's seven or eight. Or I'm not sure how many it is. Mm. And is it always in that trio format of bass, guitar, and voice? Um, they sometimes there's one CD where where she added Guido, Guido Basso. Mm -hmm. And then the la I think the last one there was a string quartet and Phil Dwyer. And there was a Brazilian one with uh, Moninho Costa and Sila Silva played percussion, and Kiki played some cello, Kiki mm -hmm. and uh, Bill McBurney on flute. So she kind of adds to it when they when she feels like it. Mm -hmm. And are you involved in the uh, arranging for that? No, for that group? Don Thompson does everything. I just show up in the studio and say beat everything. Right, right. So, the easy part. Yeah. So Don writes beautiful charts. Eh? He does. Yeah, yeah. He definitely does. And uh, has. Has Don influenced you as a player over the years? Um, I, be I bet he has. Did you ever study with him directly, or has it always been a playing relationship? Um, well, one thing is he played with uh, basically most of the guitar players that I was influenced by starting early on, like Sonny Greenwich, mm -hmm. Ed Bickert, Jim Hall, especially those three guys, and Glenny Bro. So he was always involved with those guys. And, listening to them early on so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure I've learned a lot from them over the years right right and um, so have you spent time did you ever spend time studying those guitarists yeah definitely yeah. yeah just by myself and transcribing and listening mm-hmm cool and so um, is transcribing still something you do like what's your practice like at this this point in your uh, um, career I've been working more on kind of finger style. Like I like Brazilian music a lot, but so I've, but I've and I've studied a little bit of classical guitar, but I've never really worked that much on the right hand. So I've, lately, I've been doing kind of like I say a pattern with my fingers, and then different. Uh, I'll read through a book of it. Like Mick Goodrick has a book of rhythms, mm -hmm. factorial rhythms or something. I'll just set up like put into some you know repeating thing in the. And then play uh, whatever the rhythms are with the thumb. Whatever. Wow. You know, so keep this, and then these guys get a workout, right? Because if you're yeah. playing, uh, you're doing uh, that kind of, you know, mm -hmm. it takes some chops sometimes. In that, I've never really worked enough on that. Right. I'm trying to. And so, do you use that kind of independence when you're playing uh, Brazilian? style music like I know often like those fingers are joined in the chord 
Yeah. You know, but then you're actually starting to play some single notes in conjunction with the chords. Maybe. Let's see. Yeah. <laughs> A little bit of that. But uh, uh, for me, uh, my practicing, the things I practice have always been quite separate from what I actually play, right? Oh. Or for soloing or, or jazz. So I've always tried, because in the beginning when I was, you know, a long time ago, I'd play and I'd play and I'd practice during the day and work on this lick and then I'd go to work that night and I'd try to play the lick and it it never worked. You know, it's like, it just sounded like fitting a square peg into a round hole. Like, I am. And I just, just ram it in there. Right. And it always sounded stupid. I said, what am I going to do? So I thought, well, I'm going to practice things that are completely separate from what I play, you know, on a tune or so I try and so I work on intervals and things, you know, to, to develop the connection between my ear and my fingers and things like that. So that if I hear something, I'll be able to execute it. But just, you know, working on licks mm. is not very useful for me. Mm. I see. And then it would take maybe six months if I was working on stuff. And it would take maybe six months for it to show up in my playing, you know. Mm. Before, you know, without saying, oh, what's that? And I say, oh, yeah, I worked on that six months ago. Right, right. Kind of that kind of process. <clears throat> and so have you worked this way for a long period of time? Yeah, yeah ever since I figured out that I shouldn't practice what I play. <laughs> right, right. Cool. Um, so when you were a younger player, um, when, like, when did you first play a standard on the guitar? Um, first thing I, I mean... First thing I did was play with my sister. She's a really good singer, so I was probably 12 and she was nine, and we just liked playing songs. We played Elton John songs. We played, you know, Philadelphia Freedom, and then we played. When we got a uh, whisper knot, she was, I've got a tape of her singing whisper knot when she's like 10 or 11. Wow, <laughs> it's good. That's you know? so good. So we just those were the, those were just songs that we played. Right, right. Cool. So for a long time. And so you, so you being an accompanist has been something that's been gone through your entire career, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, she trained me. Yeah, Jeanette, Jeanette Lombard, Jeanette Schwager, she definitely trained me mm -hmm. on, on being an accompanist and what. Hey, what are you doing? Don't play the melody with me and things <laughs> like that. You know, like she, right, she helped right. me a lot. That. And what about um, when did you start getting into playing instrumental jazz? Um, well, I was I grew up in Sudbury, and then. I had a teacher, Ben Ronaldo, and there weren't very, there was only a handful of players there that were into playing jazz. So I found one piano player, Tony Simpkin, and then he knew a drummer, and then we would take turns uh, playing bass for each other. He had a Peter Pan bass, so I'd play bass for him for half an hour, and then he'd play <laughs> bass for me for half an hour, and you know, we had a few different drummers. Right, right. So that was when I was still in, in high school in Sudbury. We'd get together on the weekends, he'd drive out and pick me up and would play and mm. and he had like the real book or something. He had some fake books. Right. Were, so right. And kind what, what kind of instrument uh, were you playing at that time? First, I had a Univox copy of a 335 that I bought, which was pretty nice. And then I bought a 175. And it was about after I taught a bunch of lessons for a couple of years, I bought a 175. Mm. And is that the same 170? Do you still have that guitar? I have it, but it doesn't really work anymore. It buzzes, and right. I, got, I got 30 years out of it, so I figured it's okay. It's pretty good. Yeah. He's retired. <laughs> For now, yeah. I, I mean, I tried three times to get it reset up and get rid of the buzzes, but so far, no luck. Mm. And then, um, I guess you came directly to Toronto from Sudbury? Sudbury, Is that... just Toronto, yeah. yeah. The last year of high school, or the last couple of years of high school here. Oh, I see. So your whole family came? Um... My sister and my mom and my dad was still commuting because he was teaching in Sudbury. Right. So he was commuting back and forth every week. Right. And so what was the uh, what was the scene like in Toronto when you were uh, coming up? It seemed like there was a lot going on. I mean, Ed, I could go see Ed Bickert play almost every night. I could go see Sonny Greenwich play. I could go here. Um, well, there was a lot. Yeah, George's Spaghetti House, The Red Lion. There were a lot of Bourbon Street was going with, you know, out of town guys like Chet Baker and Zoot Sims playing with local rhythm sections. So it was pretty active. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, so you found a place in that scene pretty quickly. Who were you kind of working with at that time? Um, 
first guy that gave me a chance was, was Peter Appleyard. And so I could do a sort of a after I'd been here for a while, I could sort of do a passable imitation of Ed Baird's squirting. Right. So if right. he was if he was busy, <laughs> then I mean, he couldn't be in two places at one time. So I had a lot of you know, I kind of I could do some gigs that right. way. So that's how I got got started. Right. Reminds me of uh, Wes Montgomery playing Charlie Christian solos. Yeah. Uh, in a bar, you know, playing them note for note because that's what the bar owner wanted. Really? Yeah. 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 Well, I'm still trying to do that, so. Still doing passable imitation, I think, sometimes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, um, is the Canadian sound on guitar something that's important to you as an artist, like artistically? Um, I don't just, at that time in Toronto, it seemed like the, the guitar, the guys you could be influ influenced on guitar by were Canadian, so it just seemed to happen that way. Mm hmm. We're just lucky, I guess. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because yeah. for sure. I don't know what it is for the other instruments, but. Mm -hmm. Well, why don't we uh, play some guitar? Let's play. Yeah. Let's play some tunes. Mm -hmm. um, let's see here. Uh, any requests? I don't know. You've done. I don't, you've probably done every song known to man on your podcast. Oh no, song. no, not yet. <laughs> not yet. There's a lot left out. Um, let me think here. Oh, you know what I've been into playing lately is uh, the... Did you play that? Uh, is that sure. called Turn Out the Stars? Uh, you Must Believe in Spring. You Must Believe. Okay. I, I don't know. Let's do that. Yeah? Okay. And uh, just so people know, uh, Reg is going to take the melody and uh, take the first solo as well. Oh. Just in case you're confused, but you won't be confused who uh, who's who. Cause I'm playing through the Lunchbox Junior. Right, right. <laughs> and I've got the Heinrichsen. Henriksen. Henriksen, jazz amp. Yeah. Okay. Um, swing, Jeffrey? You want to play it swing? I don't know. Or we sure. could do whatever you pick. Yeah, that sounds good. Like, uh, okay. what kind of tempo? Anywhere you want. One, two, one, two, three. Thank you. 
Nice, nice beautiful. C, and nice C sharp on the C minor there. That was good. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Oops. Retake, retake. Uh, oh, recording. It was, on the, it was on the way to a good note. <laughs> um, how do you like recording? I, I feel like you've got a bunch of records. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like recording. Yeah? I try to, I sort of want to make one CD a year, which so far I've been able to do. I um I took another listen this morning to um uh Delfin Delfinus how do I say it? Del Delfinus Delfinus, right? Delfinus, I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's a cool record. Oh thanks. Yeah. So it's uh Don and Andre White. No, Don is on oh, piano, not Andre White. Neil Swainson on bass and Michel Lambert. Michel Lambert on drums, yeah. Right. Okay. I, I don't know Michel Lambert. Yeah, he's my brother in law. Oh thing. okay. But I've been playing with him since the early 80s. I met him in Banff originally. Mm -hmm. And basically everything I've done since then has been with him. Mm -hmm. The Resonance record of 1985. And mm -hmm. So, so is he ba he's based in Montreal? He lives in Montreal. I see, yeah. I see. Okay. And um, so those compositions on that album, were they all written in that year? Uh, um, some... What I, I kind of go through writing phases and practicing phases and then if I'm lucky during writing phase I'll like type, type a lead sheet into the computer so then when I decide well I want to do this I decided I wanted to play with Don and Neil and Michelle I, mm -hmm. I want to hear Don play piano on a bunch of different kind of styles like some free things and whatever you know especially the free things because I hadn't mm -hmm. heard them play that way for a while and then I went in and said what kind of songs do I have that would work for this so I just dig around basically got an archive of stuff that I haven't recorded yet or played mm -hmm. and I gather yeah so what was that there's two, a two part composition on that album four four something no, what's that called oh That's four eyes or yeah maybe four eyes it goes to free improvisation yeah that was that was a new one yeah I yeah. wrote it specifically for that for that right and so uh, something tells me you haven't played that composition at the pilot in Yorkville <laughs> Never. Never. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, has that been toured? Have you done uh, some performances? That's all we, we've done. It's just, just the recording. Just the recording? Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm too disorganized to, to organize all those kind of things. Right. So, um, is playing free something that you've explored a lot over the years? Yeah, a lot. Yeah, I really yeah. like it. It's almost, it could be my favorite way to play, but depending on the circumstance. I'm, I like it. I think that might be a surprise to many people because people, you know, often think of you as like this this great straight-ahead jazz guitar, like this heavyweight champion of guitar is what I of Canadian jazz guitar is what I call you oh. right now. But Shucks. <laughs> um, and uh, so the free thing that's that's very interesting. Does that you know affect the way you play a standard or play a straight-ahead tune? Would you say? Or? Um, I hope so. Um, the thing with free playing, it's you basically don't have a, a prearranged structure or a prearranged plan, or so you really have to. Your instincts have to be really finely tuned. You have to be really be listening, and you have to kind of get into the vibe of the room and whatever vibrations are going around. So, without all those other structures to you know to get not get in the way, but to distract you, then you're just relying on that. And a lot of times, it t turns out to be kind of textural things or you know, and you work with sound or a motif, and then you're just developing. But if you can apply that same, those same kind of instincts and, and that same kind of process to over, over songs, over tunes, then it makes it a lot more fresh, I think. Mm -hmm. yeah. And um, would you say that you're expressing emotions with your compositions, or are you expressing, like, feelings or experiences? Like, do you actually write songs about things? Um... Not consciously. I mean, they just come, kind of come out. I just let the, let the songs come out, and then later on, I have to try and figure out what. And they say, "Okay, you need a title. If you're gonna put it on a CD, you need a title." Right. So then, right. Sometimes the title comes even after it's been recorded. Mm -hmm. I say, you know, okay, waltz. Okay, we can't call it waltz. And so, it's yeah, it's it. it that stuff is there, but it's not conscious. Like that's I'm gonna write a sad, sad song now. It doesn't work like that. Right. Right. 
Cool. So maybe let's talk about, um, I wanted to talk about rhythm, because just playing with you there, like, I can, you're just giving me the time, like, so beautifully and so clearly and naturally. And uh, it's something I've always struggled with, my time, you know, and uh, I was wondering what you, you might say about getting that together on the guitar. Well, the, the main thing was that I got to play with people with good time. You know, I, and I still do so, and I always kind of appreciate it. Like, even, like I used to go to Halifax and play with Skip Beckwith, mm -hmm. and then he, I, he could play a medium tempo, and it's, you know, like, because medium tempos are the hardest when you're starting out, I think. You know, like, you can play fast, or, and slow is bad too, but just like, a, you know, like a, those kind of, those ones. And I just watch his foot and say, and his foot was tapping to the quarter note, I'm going, Man, I wish I could do that, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so then you kind of... So I I played with a bunch of old... Jerry Fuller and Freddie McHugh, a bunch of different older players, and just I really tried to sponge it off of them while I was playing with them and learn it that way. Mm -hmm. So it's something you learn kind of by feeling and the yeah. interaction with Inter another yeah. artist, right? And just, just being around somebody that, that knows how to do that. And, and also I, I work on the drums a bit, and... I used to, you know, I used to come jam at people's houses and mm -hmm. just play the drum. You know, I can't do any fills. I can't play fast. I can't play Latin. But you know, just yeah. kind of, and then get that, that the feeling of that being in that role. Mm. And, you know. and uh, where does articulation come into play? Articulation. With time. Um, or just on the guitar in general. That's an. It seems like. Um, you know, you can seem to play any articulation with perfect time. That's sort of something I notice. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, maybe from the kind of things I practice. I don't know. Um, as I practice, basically I just pray, practice. Chromatic. When I, do, when, I, when I haven't been playing much or... I just feel like it. I'll be practicing a lot of chromatic patterns. And I think it's just from working on that kind of stuff mm -hmm. and trying to be really clear about it. And I'll practice um, with all upstrokes and all downstrokes. Ah, oh, interesting. And then, you know. I've worked on uh, like a drum books, like there's a drum book called Stick Control, uh -huh. and then they'll have like paradiddles and you know a, a single stroke roll. But I, I'll just when it says right, I'll I'll do a downstroke, and when it says left, I'll do an upstroke. So then you know that's basic. Um, that's the basic roll. Right, got right. Paradiddle, you know, double strokes like left, left, right, right. There's pages and pages of those kind of uh -huh. variations of those things, so I've just worked through those. Right. Just to get the, the you know, the right hand picking more clear. Mm. So I think it's just if your right hand is, is clear and, and it knows where to go, then you're okay, I think. Mm. And then material-wise, how, how does, what type of material would you use? Uh, play play that on, or you just literally I could just do play it on, two on an octave or, or something? Yeah. Just focus on that one thing. I mean, it'd be better uh, to to combine it with, say, some kind of chromatic pattern. You know, maybe I've done that. And I'll, I'll put this pattern with this picking pattern and this these intervals and right, right. Mm -hmm. But that's kind of secondary to just working on the those things. Right. Okay. So you're isolating the uh, the right hand from like material. Okay. Yeah. Definitely. Cool. And then uh, w so. What would your material practice be? Like you mentioned uh, chromaticism. That's something that interests me because I feel like I've got a few sort of appoggiatoras that take me to one note that are chromatic, and then that's right. pretty much the extent of my uh, yeah. chromatic I'm, I'm vocabulary. Coming more out of, I think more stuff that's coming out of the Slonimsky book. Uh huh. The uh, whatever, Thesaurus of Scales and whatever, Melodic Patterns or whatever. So it just. When I was trying to get a, away from practicing the things that I play on songs, I thought, well, I'm going to get away from from um, the five-note staff, too. So I worked out, like, I've got this thing, okay, you've got a dot, then a number, 
for the size of the interval, then another dot. Maybe if it's go, if the dot is higher, then you go up a minor third. So I have all these kind of graphical because I wanted to get away from the, the whole staff thing. So I was just I'm just like. Or, So I guess different variations using that, and and eventually I, I thought, well, let's, I'll never be able to play these, but it's going to develop my right hand, it's going to develop my ear. Uh -huh. Then eventually they sort of came in and showed up anyway. Right. So you, these things occur to you even when you're playing songs with a harmo like harmonic chord progression. Um, sort of. Sort of. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cool. Or, or just feel like you know, because if you're playing a solo, you want to have. A variety. You don't want to just play ping pong. You know, you want to have a variety of like it's like a drawing. You don't want to just have one straight line across the page. You want to go up, mm -hmm. you want to go down, and then you know, like like mountains, and then some trees, and you know, like so. So the the uh, texture and the shape of things has to has to have some variation, right? Mm. So it's not just a whole bunch of whole notes, or you know, have some fast notes, and then. Small intervals, you know, like, and then, you know, wide stuff. So whatever you can do to explore the range between, you know, slow and fast and small intervals, large intervals, loud and soft. So if you can, you know, whatever you can do to use the variations and the possibilities within those extremes. Mm -hmm. and, and do you explore these ideas in your writing? Um, writing, not as much in writing, not consciously in the writing, but usually trying to get a nice melody and some chords, but for soloing, definitely. I mm. mean, I should. Mm. Maybe within an arrangement, if I did an arrangement, you want to have that. Mm. But I should, thanks for... <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, that's a no, good it's idea. It's all good, it's all that's good. good. That's great. Yeah. Hmm. So, do you have sort of have a, a vision of... Like, uh, obviously it would be a dream of who you want to be as an improviser, like uh, these kind of choices seems to be like you want to be breaking down barriers in terms of the way things can go, just opening up the guitar in lots of different ways. Is there like a, a sound that you're reaching for or striving for in this type of practice? Oh, man. <laughs> well, I have guys that, like I love Joe Henderson uh -huh. and Warren Marsh, and so there's just, you know, Gonzalo Rubalcaba. So there's just guys that I'm, I, I really respect and I would like to be, I mean, I don't want to copy them, but mm -hmm. um, I don't know what I didn't answer your question. Well, you like the feeling of, of the way they play it's and that's that something you want to be able to express as well. There's, well, there's some sort of a, something about the spontaneity, like Sonny Rollins is, and Keith Jarrett, and there's guys that just sound like they don't play any licks. They're improvising in the moment, t totally in the moment, and then it's just kind of the music is flowing, mm. and that's the kind of thing that I want to strive for. Mm. In that kind of in the moment uh, freshness, mm. freedom maybe. Yeah, freedom. But with you know within tunes, you're within a structure, so uh -huh. the more free you can be within that. Lee Konitz, Warren Marsh, those guys. Right, right. That kind of thing. That's what I. That's what. And it, you know, it's. It, if you're playing a lot, like in the old days, we used to play six nights a week. You'd have a, have a gig at George's Spaghetti House. So like the first couple of nights, we'd oh, yeah, get together. And then we'd sort of, we'd just get better and better and more and more free. Mm -hmm. And then Saturday, you'd be tired, but. Right, right. But, so it, it happens more when you're playing a lot. Mm -hmm. How, um, so the scene's changed a lot over your career here in Toronto. Um, how does it feel now compared to those days for you? I like it. I like it now. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of a lot of good players. A lot of different things going on. I mean, you don't get to play six, five, and six nights in a club any. But I did one something similar to that recently, and then everybody was talking. <laughs> oh, I remember that. You're like saying, right. "Hey, we play six nights a week," but right. people were like, "Blah blah blah blah." <laughs> right. I remember yeah. now. Remember so, those men with cigars at the back of the yeah center? yeah. Oh, and they were smoking. They were just like, oh yeah, and just cackle the loudest laughs. Yeah, you know? I mean, but, I mean, it was a small price to pay, but I, I like the scene now, and it's a variety. You know, different smaller places to play, and lots of people to play with. Mm. So this is a question I've asked other people. Um, where do you get your, your best expression? Like, I, I know you sideman with a ton of different people, and I'm mm -hmm. sure there's lots of people you love playing with, but uh, 
Where, where's kind of one of the best ways to hear Red Schwager, in your opinion? I don't know. Good question. <laughs> it's hard <laughs> one. I don't know. If it's a smaller, smaller group, you have more space, right? Mm. Like, um, I'm, I like. Well, I'm, I'm some, I used to play uh, duo with Don Thompson. He was playing bass more. We used to do uh, bass and guitar duos. Mm -hmm. Now we do bass and piano duos. I mm -hmm. mean, yeah, guitar and piano duos. So that's good. Yeah. So anything like that. That's and then and then maybe it's not as organized. Right? We haven't emailed the set lists to each other six months ago. Or we just like with with Don. We just start. I'll play. I'll start playing a song. He'll start playing a song. And if I'm lucky, I'll know what know that the one that he's playing. Right, right. So that's that's a, I like that. That's a fun way to play. Mm. But I don't know. Cool. Uh, Don Don's got an amazing repertoire mm -hmm. of tunes. Uh, have you uh, spent a lot of time learning tunes? Over yeah, over the years, definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's basically because I like them, not because it was a chore. Right. I find there to be like um, every time I learn a tune, I learn something about music. Mm -hmm. You know, something that transcends the song. There's always something in there that just kind of gives back. You know, for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, any tunes you've been working on lately that? Uh... Mm. Yeah, but I don't know it yet. I was working on for minors aloud. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. But I don't know it. Yeah, I don't know that one either. <laughs> yeah. Jimmy Heath tune. Right. Right. Uh, Want to play something? Yeah, let's play something. Um, do, 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 do. Um, gonna do uh, I remember April. Okay. Ooh, I'm all nice and sharp now. It's the humidity. There's the birds. Oh yeah. Hopefully my uh compression won't amplify the birds too much. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You want to play the melody? Uh, sure. Okay.
Nice. Nice. Sounding beautiful. Nice tune. I like that uh, groove you were doing off the top with the, uh, the Latin feel. Yeah, well, some kind of biolish thing. I'm not sure. Ish. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so I wanted to bring up a very specific thing that I learned from you once. And I, I don't even know if this is a big deal in your playing, but I, I know it's something that I think is really cool and it's, you know, something I've used a lot. And that is... Um, playing like a small grouping of like three or four notes and then taking it up an octave, you know? Oh, like yeah. uh, this kind of thing. Oh, yeah. You know? That okay. stuff. And, um, uh, yeah, I really love the sound. And I remember you saying that it has more energy when you go when you go across the neck like that. So, something like that. There was a comment uh, sometime. This is years ago. But right. I'm just wondering, is this... Uh, is that part of your playing? Is that an important concept, do you think? Yeah, I think so. It's because if you just stay on the same fret, it's not kind of trap. Like a mouse in a cage or something. So, I remember in Banff, I was, I was at a workshop in Banff, and John Abercrombie said that you can hear the way that you're, you're, you move up and down the neck, you can hear it in the sound. Right, so well, this is kind of in position, but it, there's an energy to it. And you, you, know, you expend energy, you know, just moving up, and so I think that's that's part of it. Mm -hmm. So it has a sort of a, an effect on the uh, the the perceived strength of the line, or something like that, or the uh, perceived impact of it. Must it. must be, yeah. Right. And there's certain kind of exertion. You know, you kind of move your hand up. Gotta go from here to here. <laughs> right. And it's a little bit chance. Sometimes you're gonna miss, you know, hope you don't miss. Right. Right, <laughs> especially that extra note up top. Just yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So it's. I don't know what to say about that, but. Oh, you're mo moving the idea in different ways, yeah. in chromatic ways. Yeah, through uh, like minor thirds or something, yeah. So those kind of little devices that have a certain kind of sound. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of like, um, so when you're improvising, you kind of take different tacks in a way, almost like a composer would compose in a certain way or a certain motific type of development. But as an improviser, you have approaches that... Yeah, more like a collage, maybe, of mm -hmm. ideas, right? Because I've been... I've heard criticism. Well, just what is this linear stuff? You know, just well, you're just playing lines, right? Don't look at what's hard. But yeah. So then maybe you want to break it up with different, you know. Those look kind of like diminished patterns, and the patterns just kind of break up the the line, the, the melodic kind of development kind of things. Mm-hmm. You know, like collage kind of effect. I right. Think. Right. Interesting. Interesting. And um, so something that's really cool is uh, you play a lot of different guitars, actually. Or you, at least I've seen really yeah. cute pictures of you <laughs> with a variety of different instruments. I've seen you play a uh, Steinberger guitar yeah. before and sound beautiful on huh. it. I mean, the tone was still beautiful, even though it was a no body. To yeah, it. no body. Yeah, so um, uh, do you kind of collect guitars? Or you just, like, uh, um, I'm just searching, almost searching for different sounds. Like for years, I just played the 175. And I think I had, a, I had a Strat, but I'm still kind of searching around and, and to find a guitar that will travel well, because mm -hmm. I have an East, the carved top Eastman. Once you get there, like I mean, the, the the action has gone way down, right? So make, this this Eastman is a plywood, mm -hmm. it's a plywood guitar, so maybe that would be more stable mm -hmm. traveling. Like I have, an, I have an Ibanez, that's plywood. That's the one I usually take on the road. It's plywood, and it usually pretty consistently will be working when I get to where I'm going, right? Mm -hmm. so it's partly that. And I'm just looking for a different sound. Mm -hmm. I hope so. Or maybe I'm just an obsessive collector. No. <laughs> Never. <laughs> um, so you, you just had one made for you. It was kind of like um, uh, crowdsourcing. Sort oh, of. Like crowdsourcing the, uh, yeah. the Devo guitar. The Devo guitar. Yeah. That's, uh, have you been playing that on any uh, gigs? Have you shown up know. and the singers I, looked at you expecting an arch stop and then uh, they get the Devo guitar? <laughs> well, that was for uh, Emily Claire Barlow's got a really amazing project right now. With She hired the Metropole Orchestra in, in, in Holland and and 
they and they they sent me an email. I said, we need tremolo, tremolo on this, and I didn't, you know, like a, like a whammy bar or a whatever tremolo arm. I said, mm -hmm. I don't have that. So I was getting this Devo guitar made, so I had upgraded to have the uh, the Bigsby, mm -hmm. and then so they were happy with that. So you played so the Devo guitar with the Metropole Orchestra. I, yeah, virtually. Amazing. Not at the same time. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. 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 It is a really nice guitar. I thought it would be a travel guitar, but I, I wondered why is it called two X four, and then realized it was two by four. Oh. <laughs> and it's just like a big two by four with with strings and a pickup, and it's it's really heavy and kind of huge. So I said, right. I'm not taking that on the road. Right. I, I think there's a picture of you uh, with it. I'll, I'll try to use that as the uh, that the be, photo yeah. for the uh, podcast, That's so people can take a look at what that guitar looks like. That's pretty that cool. Would be good. What's what's the company that made it? Eastwood. Eastwood. Eastwood right. Eastwood, yeah. Right. Cool. And uh, so you, do you have some acoustics and stuff like that too? or? Um, a couple of good. Yeah, a couple mm -hmm. of acoustics. These guys, Mackenzie and Mar, out in BC. I've got one with uh, that, that songwriter from Newfoundland. He's got his photo. Stomp and Tom? No. No, it's just a photo. Ron Hines. Ron Hines, okay. There's a photo. There's a there's a picture of him in the inside the hole. It's a really nice guitar. Oh, cool. It's like a songwriter guitar. So I've been using that. Mm -hmm. it sounds really nice. And um, do you find you play differently on different instruments? Uh, how is it? Like uh, I, I find uh, the different necks have a little bit of a cur learning curve for me. I I just made a record on this guitar, so mm -hmm. I didn't play my telly for about two months because mm -hmm. I just like gotta feel this guitar. Right, you know? right, right. How's that for you? feels different but then the problem is that if I listen to a, a CD or something that I've used different guitars on I can never tell which one it is it always right. sounds the same like yeah. it's kind of like almost pointless it really just sounds the same yeah you know but how it feels or maybe how in tune it is but yeah maybe I'm not sure about that <laughs> well, I guess I just have a sound in my head that I want and I just do what I can to get it but, mm -hmm. so maybe I shouldn't be having maybe I, should, I should just have one but mm -hmm. Totally, cool. So, um, are you? Do you have another album coming out soon? I think uh, mm. I may have seen that you have a, a another project coming up. Some improvised projects coming out. I'm not sure. Maybe. <laughs> no, not not nothing specific. I've got a few ideas floating around. Right. That I want to do, but nothing that I've gotten very far with. Mm -hmm. I've got some songs that I've written, like John Alcorn wrote words to a few of my songs and Luanda Jones wrote some songs in, in some words in Portuguese to a few of my songs and I've got a lot of songs with my sister so oh. one of the next things I want to do is a vocal you know just a vocal record with songs that I've written wow that's interesting yeah mm -hmm. my sisters recorded a lot of songs that we that we wrote together but uh, yeah, it'd be nice to do that and then some more I did that uh, trio thing with Michelle on bear and drums and me and it was all improvised with Kenny Wheeler is on three tracks Michael Stewart is on three tracks and Misha Mengelberg wow is on three tracks so I'd like to do some kind of extension of that with some different guys from around here uh-huh that's that's on the list too and then oh yeah I'm writing some stuff for horns I've got a lot of ideas right that's great. That's fantastic. And do you know? Um, do you have an idea where you might be presenting this music when it uh, when it comes to fruition, or would there be plans for a CD release? Should be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Usually, I just make a CD and then I've run out of energy by then. But that's really the wrong way to do it. It's right. supposed to be just part of the plan, right? Mm -hmm. A small part of the puzzle. But usually, by then, I said, "Oh wow!" And then. But, uh, do you have any desire to do a, like a tour? Under your own name? Mm, I've done that, mm -hmm. and I'd like to. It's, it's such a lot of work, and it's a lot of uh, not getting emailed back, and it's, uh. I don't know for the amount of energy that it takes. I don't know. I should. I should, should do it. Well, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know. It's just like it's. Uh, but the times when I did it was kind of frustrating. So I said, well, whatever. I'll right. just play. People phone me, and I'll play with them, or send me an email. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's easier. It's an easy way out. Right, right. And then from time to time you'll do your own yeah, gig in will, town. Yeah, somebody will say, you want to play somewhere? And I'll, you know. So I don't really pursue leader gigs like I should. Mm -hmm. do, you, do you feel like you want to do more, though? Is that sort of... 
a feeling like it's not like a, uh, it's not something that bothers me or you know it'd be nice but mm -hmm. I probably should maybe deep down <laughs> yeah <laughs> right right cool so um do you have any advice to to young guitarists that are maybe uh starting to be a sideman and starting to work with uh with with singers and, and that kind of thing uh, about how to uh to approach that job and how to be good at it hmm um, good question well it's good well comping is to me is 90 percent emotion you need to have the chords together and you know the, the technical things and the pieces in place to be able to play but then after that it's basically you just have to tune in emotionally and rhythmically and to, you know to, to what they want to express because you're just trying to help them mm. so watch how they breathe and you know and just yeah accompanying is yeah I think it's 90% emotion so you just really have to be there with them and try to try to help try and help mm. right. and so um, and you mentioned Ed Bickert earlier are there other influences on your conception of uh, comping style I know the Brazilian guitarists uh, factor in there yeah yeah and, um, and yeah Lenny Bro probably mm -hmm. and then piano players like Hank Jones and Tommy Flanagan and those kind of things George Shearing and uh, yeah mm. just listen to the really good compers a lot of times I think Hank Jones was kind of the pinnacle in a way, like mm -hmm. Ed Bickert was on the, is on the guitar. Right, right. Yeah, guitar is pretty amazing. It's uh, it's really meant to be played with singers, you know. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's yeah. like the natural totally. habitat for the guitar. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then you kind of listen, have to listen to orchestras and big bands and things, and see what the way that, that that works too, and see what you can translate or to the guitar. Mm. Mm. You, you've got a pretty big CD collection, I think, right? Yes, I do. Is that right? Yeah? Mm -hmm. How many CDs would you say you've got so far? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, uh, lately I haven't been buying very many. It's just kind of, I have an e-music subscription, and I'll get mm -hmm. you know, six or seven albums a month just from that. Mm -hmm. So, but, yeah, I've got a lot of CDs. And uh, what uh, what sort of, is there anything new you've been listening to that uh, that's interesting, that's interesting uh, you? Well, that bass player of lives in New York as yet as yet as yet he's got a really nice new uh, recording with uh, who's that guy Leonel Lewecki is on it and uh, Jeff Watts Ting mm -hmm. Watts yeah Jeff Ting Watts and yeah that's a good one I'm cool. listening to that a lot that's great and it's been get, uh, giving you some ideas for the on the guitar uh, not Probably. Right, <laughs> right. Not so specifically. You, you, I yeah. Just, yeah, listening. You just, let it, you just let it come. Yeah, you just listening. Listen. You don't work. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if I do copy something specific, it's usually trying to get some Brazilian groove or some, you know, some fingering, you know, like, some kind of pattern like that. Right, right. And um, so, have you done much, like, solo guitar kind of stuff? Uh, there's a lot, that's a really strong part of the Brazilian tradition, right? Um, a little bit. Yeah, I did a, a museum concert during the jazz festival. That was sort of fun. Uh huh. But not, and I've done background music gigs. I said, we can only hear guitars. Okay, I'll play. You know. Yeah, so, sure, sure. So, which is fine. I'd like to kind of write more music for that, and that would kind of, if you actually work out a chord, like I mostly if I play a chord melody, I just say, well, I know the song, I know the melody, I know the chords, and I'll just kind of, like Joe Bastian, just whip it together on the spot and mm -hmm. see what happens but if you plan it out more it can come you can come out with some interesting possibilities mm -hmm. but, and expand your language a bit mm. but, um, so does inspiration uh, do you draw inspiration from the instruments that you that you're writing for sorry if I'm bouncing around a little bit here but That's okay um, so like when you're thinking I'm gonna write for solo guitar I'm gonna write for piano bass drums or whatever is that the sound in your head is that sort of writing the composition for you, or is it, or the instrumentation come after the fact? No, yeah, probably the first one, like where it's influenced by the in instruments for sure. And sometimes, if like if I'm writing a big band chart, it's influenced by who I know is going to be playing it. The actual players. Yeah. Because right? you know, if, if it's Perry White, you know he's going to be able to do a certain thing and get a certain kind of emotion. So just write something for him. Mm. 
Kevin Turcotte or you know you know that what he's going to you know be capable of or right. where he might be able to take it. Very so. cool. Very cool. Nice. Well, um, maybe you could let us know. Uh, is there any interesting gigs coming up that uh, you'd like people to know about? Mm, I'm not sure what's going to. I'm playing. Uh, playing with Brendan Davis at the Rex this month. Right. Tuesday. So that's right. what I can think of right now. I think. Great. Who else is in that band? Um, Ted Warren's playing drums. Perry White's on saxophone some of the time. I'm not sure. Sometimes it's a surprise who's there. Mm -hmm. But uh, that's a fun band. Cool. Beautiful. All right. All right. Well. Play something else. Yeah, let's play something else and uh, let's just look how we're doing here. Oh yeah, that's looking good. Okay. Yeah. Uh, there was one in my head. Um, uh, I'm not sure if you still play this one. I, I used to play with Don, and that's uh, One Morning in May. Yeah. Yeah? Um, do you do it in C or E flat? I do it in D. D, okay. We don't have to, though. No, D's fine. Yeah. Let me just. Uh, do adjust the gain structure here a bit. And then where do we go here? F, key of F. F. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, it looks good. Something oh, like that. Is there, does that happen there? A little chromatic? Well, the melody's in A, so. Right. Okay, so maybe not. Maybe not. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Great. All yeah. right. All right. Um, Thank you. 
Nice, man. It's beautiful. That's well, fun. thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. Yeah, it was fun to talk to you. Man, sorry I can't talk better. Oh, you <laughs> talk great, Rich. You play beautifully. Thank you. Thanks. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Body Electric Podcast with Red Schweiger. My guest next week will be the baritone saxophonist and pianist Sharantha Bedegay. If you have any questions you'd like me to ask Sharantha, you can get me on Twitter at Nate Hiltz and use the uh, hashtag BE, that's Body Electric, BE for Body Electric, Ask Sharantha, which is S-H-I-R-A-N-T-H-A. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Bye.